0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Providing Culturally competent Care, Meeting the LTSS Needs of Duly Eligible Beneficiaries. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 12, 2018. In this podcast, Lisa Wayses, Director at Niki Manor Assisted Living at Kiro Northwest, discusses Kiro Northwest's Culturally Confident LTSS.
1: So my name is Lisa Waisit. I am the director for Niki Manor Assisted Living here in Seattle, and I am um, part of Cairo Northwest. We were, excuse me, next slide. We were purpose-built in 1975, the organization was, by Nisei, which are the second-generation Japanese-American community, um, to build a skilled nursing facility for their Issei first-generation parents because they were seeing their parents in skilled nursing facilities here with no language capability and no foods that were appropriate to them and no activities that were familiar. And so they took it upon themselves to build that. So we currently now have a skilled nursing facility and an assisted living facility that uh, address those needs, as well as an adult day social program and home care. So between those four programs, we serve about 250 individuals. About 60% of those are dual eligibles. And in my particular building, it's about 12% that are dual eligible. Uh, Next slide, please. So um, in identifying those preferences back in 1975, they were looking at what their Issei parents or Japanese parents needed. Flash forward about 20 years and those Nisei folks realized they needed something for themselves, but it wasn't necessarily Japanese, it was Japanese American. So that's when they created my particular building, my assisted living community. and. Um, Currently in my building, about 20% of my residents are Issei. They are Japanese. Um, But 70% are Nisei. And of those 70%, only about 50% are bilingual. So we really have to address a couple of different sets of needs in my community. Next slide, please. So because we were purpose-built, there are some things that kind of came hardwired in for us to be appropriate to the culture we were serving. The first was architecture. Um, At the bottom picture is a picture of the torii gate that is at the side of our property. It is a ceremonial entrance, and that very much harkens back to the Japanese culture that that started all of this for us. Um, But in the garden that you can see right there, that was actually built six years ago in coordination with the University of Washington School of Landscape Architecture. And those students did not want to be insulting and try to build a Japanese garden because they knew they didn't have the depth of knowledge. So they did focus groups with our residents and our participants to find out what they wanted, and then they added what they termed Japanese elements that were reflective of the culture. So the structure that you see, which is the covered sitting area, the woodwork there is reflective of the, of the Japanese um, uh aesthetic the crane motif that goes through our entire building which is not visible here um was incorporated into that the selection of the plants themselves and even the name of the garden which is ichigo ichie which means one moment in time is significant so those were all incorporated into um that garden and then walking into our building there's a lintel over the front door and we have two lintels one over each dining room that came directly from a shinto temple in Japan so those are all reflective Next slide, please. Again, being purpose-built when you come in, the decor reflects the... uh the culture that we're serving, so we have a lot of natural elements with bamboo and wood, stone-look tile, those kinds of things, and the color scheme. Um, We have art that's reflective of the Japanese culture, but also of the Japanese American culture, so we have local artists from the Japanese American community who have donated art to our our building, so that um, that connection is there for our residents to see. In the bottom picture, you'll see what looks kind of like a mobile, and that is actually a thousand origami cranes that have been um, strung together. And um, those origami cranes are a, a token of good luck and prosperity, and so having a thousand of them is very auspicious. So we actually have a couple of those that um, have been made and given to us um, throughout the building. Next slide, please. So of the things that were originally identified by the Nisei for their Issei parents, food was one of the top things. Um, they weren't getting the foods that they were used to, so we have that incorporated into what we do. We have chopsticks at the table for the residents who prefer to use chopsticks. The plating is set up in a Japanese style, so instead of being on a white plate and all the food in one place, it is set up on their own individual plates the way that they expect it to be. So the rice is in a rice bowl, but the soup is in a soup bowl, and they are very different. (laughs) Uh, We also have different condiments on the table. So there would be soy sauce or furikake that they would explain. Um, We have also special occasion foods. So we have sakura mochi, which is this wonderful pounded rice treat that is pink and wrapped in a green preserved leaf for Girls' Day in May, um, or we have the Osechi bento, which is a very special bento box for New Year's with very special foods that are linked to the New Year. The other thing that we have to help our staff understand if they're not Japanese by, by heritage is that sometimes you have to put your Japanese nose on when you smell some foods because there are some very strong smells that come from either the mackerel or some of the other things. And if you smell that in your own home, you might be concerned. BUT IF YOU PUT ON YOUR JAPANESE NOSE, here, YOU'RE LIKE, OH, THAT'S LUNCH. SO THAT'S KIND OF A DIFFERENT uh, ASPECT THAT SOME OF US HAVE HAD TO LEARN. NEXT SLIDE, PLEASE. ANOTHER uh THING THAT WAS INITIALLY IDENTIFIED WAS THE LANGUAGE. AND SO FOR HERE, WE'RE VERY STRONG ON THIS. ALL OF OUR MENUS AND OUR CALENDARS ARE PRINTED IN ENGLISH AND JAPANESE FOR OUR RESIDENTS. RESIDENT COUNCIL IS HELD IN BOTH LANGUAGES, AND THE MINUTES ARE PRINTED IN BOTH LANGUAGES. We hire bilingual staff, especially for our front desk, and we also learn from the residents, which is wonderful. They like to share their language. Um, But in a more purposeful manner, at our all staff meeting, we have a word or a phrase of the month so that all of the staff are learning, whether they're care staff or housekeeping or dietary. Currently, we're doing Japanese and Cantonese because those are the residents we're serving that don't speak English, Um, but it also has included Korean in the past. Next slide, please. Another one of those initially identified uh, items was activities. And so activities that are traditional to the culture, like sumi-e calligraphy painting, or the mochi pounding for uh, New Year's, or going out and doing the Japanese cherry blossom viewing at the University of Washington campus, those are all things that are, are part of that culture that are really meaningful to our residents, so we've incorporated those. Um, Some of the decisions on what activities to run come from our initial activity assessment with the residents, but also from ongoing expression of interest from the residents. So we have feedback forms for activities as well as meals. So residents can tell us what we've done right, what we've done wrong, and what they might like to see instead. There are some cultural ones that uh, you'll never find on a Caucasian um, calendar for activities like corn husking, which is a big activity um, in the late summer. The mochi making is a lot of fun. The kyakunin ishu is actually a game that you have to know Japanese poetry to play, but our residents love it, and the fact that we have it for them is very special. Next, please. Some of the other activities that are very popular are music and actually all three of our activity spaces have pianos to address that. So we have sing-alongs in English and Japanese both. We have performers that bring in traditional instruments like the taiko drums that you see there. Uh, We also have other performers that come in and do traditional dances. We also bring in new music, so we have student groups that come in from Japan who will do performances for our residents, and it's so fun to listen to the J-pop that they want to do with them, but we also have a lot of residents who are from Hawaii, and so we have performers that come in and bring Hawaiian music to us so that we can enjoy that. Next slide, please. Other traditions and customs um, that we have made sure that we are are cognizant of our things, especially from the Buddhist traditions, because we have several residents who are Buddhist. So the upper left corner you see is a butsudan, which is a small shrine that uh, Buddhists may have in their home to uh, acknowledge and honor their ancestors. And so we do some training with our staff, especially the housekeeping staff, to understand what that is, so when they're coming in they're not trying to rearrange it and clean it. Um, the fire department, also we went to them and got a waiver so we could use incense, so the residents could put incense in their butsudan as they would have at home. Or when the Buddhist services come into the building, they can use incense as they would normally. We've also had to understand the gift-giving etiquette of our Japanese traditions, because there's a whole etiquette about which hand you use when you take the gift, or when you give the gift, where you open the gift, and how you reciprocate that. So it's very important to know those things. The bottom picture is um, a little layout of a bedroom, because one of the things that we learned along the way was that when somebody dies and they are put into the ground, their head faces north, and so you never want the bed head facing north in a bedroom. So now when we even do tours, I point out which wall is the north wall so they can figure out where they want to put their bed when they move in. Next slide, please. We have lots of celebrations, just like every other community does, but in most communities, if you had somebody turning 80 or 90 or 100, those would be your touchstone years. For us, it's 88, because 88 is an auspicious number times two. It is amazing. Um, So we have 88th birthday parties, which you probably wouldn't find other places, but here it's a big deal. They send out invitations and do a a huge uh, to-do over them. Uh, if we have a big celebration, we might do the breaking of the sake cask, which you see at the top there. Um, there's also a holiday called Kero no Hi, which is Respect for Elder's Day. And that, again, harkens back to how your ancestors are very important. So we have a lot of these celebrations that you may not find in other communities. Next, please. Our particular community went through some very unique experiences in World War II with the incarceration and internment camps, and also of those gentlemen who volunteered to serve in the 442nd and in military intelligence services. So really that is kind of the core of the identity of the Nisei generation that we serve. Um, so we're very close to the Nisei veterans, um, are just down the street from us. Um, but for the other things that are happening within the Japanese American community to help our residents um, maintain that sense of identity, we stay very close to them. So we post flyers when they have events going on. Sometimes we turn things into an outing for them and, or we'll provide transportation if we can't put it on our own calendar. We've hosted some of their events in our building. Um, but we wanna make sure that they're continu- or they continue to um, have contact. So with, like, the Japanese American Citizens League, who's an advocacy group, or the Minidoka Pilgrimage, who actually takes people to um, Idaho so that they can see what that internment experience was, we make sure that they stay in contact with those kinds of um, programs. And ACRS um, is the Asian Counseling Service, and we want to make sure we stay in contact with them because the Asian concept of mental health is different in some ways than the mainstream white act um, idea of that, and so we want to make sure they have access to those culturally appropriate services as well. Next, please. We also wanna make sure we're in contact with the general community because again, 70% of my residents are Nisei. They grew up here in the United States and they're part of the bigger community, not just that smaller Japanese and Japanese American community. So we wanna make sure they can still go to the theater and the opera and the art museums. They can go down the street and see the Mariners play, those kinds of things. The gentleman you see in the top corner um, in the in the hat, he's one of our Nisei veterans who lives here, and he's presenting to the King County Council, so he is taking his Japanese-American experience and bringing it out to the wider community in that photograph, um, and we really want to make sure that they have the opportunity to do that. Um, the ICHS, which is the health service in the area, um, some of our residents will use an herbal pharmacy or they might want to use acupuncture, And so making sure they have ac- access to those things. But overall, we want to make sure they still have access to their normal life. So they're grocery shopping and they're contributing to the local community and going to church, whether they're Buddhist or Methodist or or even Presbyterian. Next, please. And lastly, for our staff, we want to make sure that we are hiring for cultural competence. So um, for my reception staff and my activity staff, most of them are native Japanese. Um, Some of my care staff are as well, but that's not true, obviously, for everyone. Uh, My front desk staff must be bilingual because they have to um, be able to answer the phone for families who are Japanese. Um, But uh, in saying all of that, when we bring people on, we do an orientation to give them a high level cultural background of the community they're going to be serving. We do that phrase of the month that I said in our all staff meeting. Um, we give them information about cultural norms like eye contact, how you don't hold it like you do in um, Caucasian society, and what respectfulness looks like and means in this culture. Um, we also have some staff that take it upon themselves to go and take language lessons on their own, which I think is wonderful. Um, so we also, at the When people are doing their work, if we catch that they have missed a cue um, and have missed some kind of cultural thing, we'll do an instant in-service so that they can see those things. And I know this is a lot of pictures and a lot of information, but these are things that you absolutely can do in your own community as long as you get to know the people that you're serving appropriately.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Loon Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about our current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.